WBEN. Good afternoon. Welcome to the Fontenelle Final Bell here on the Rural Radio Network. I'm Susan Littlefield, currently attending the American Coalition for Ethanol's annual conference in Omaha. So some great talk about what's happening out in the fields as we'll talk a little bit about that, especially as this weather continues to change and lack of moisture in so many areas. We'll also take a real deep look at what's going on in this cattle complex, especially with the cash. What are we going to see with this cash moving forward? Can they hold or maybe even move higher? We'll get all those details today with Kyle Bumstead, Kyle with Allendale. And we got to start out on the, on the grain side of it, Kyle, because you and I, as we were talking before the start of this report, is weather. I don't think you can't go anywhere without somebody talking about lack of rain, uh, high temperatures, and the effects it's had on agriculture this year. Well, that's right, Susan. First of all, thanks for having me back. But, uh, yeah, it's uh, been a hot topic here. Um, you know, we started off the growing season here getting into that uh may june time frame you know coming into the weekends we'd see nice uh you know rain systems starting to come across in the weather maps and they were dumping some rain and uh the trade's like well yeah it's going to be that kind of same old song and dance we're going to get some rain we're going to buy it up until you know we get to the weekend and then the rain's going to come through here and we're going to sell it off early in the week kind of like we always do and um that worked up until about mid-june when the rain stopped in a lot of places especially west of Interstate 35 there in Iowa, there's a lot of places that have missed quite a bit of rain. Now, north central Iowa, they just recently got inundated with water, so that may, uh, you know, kind of finish off their crop up there as far as what they need to finish in certain areas. I have to say this very uh, very gently because a lot, of, a lot of producers that looked like they were under the radar with the heavy rains didn't get the heavy rains that were uh, stated by the radar and weather services. So it's a touchy subject, and you're right. There's places all over the Corn Belt, especially the western Corn Belt, that are a lot worse than people think once you get out there looking in the fields. I know I uh, did a trip here yesterday down to Grand Island, and uh, you drive down 281 uh, from Highway 91 here, and even under the irrigated stuff, it looks pretty ugly just for the simple fact that they could not keep up. They don't have the, they, they just didn't have the water to keep up and it was just too hot and dry at the wrong times. Well, and I wonder how many, I mean, obviously when we see the crop tour take place later this month, when, when folks are actually getting out versus looking at it from the side of the road, they're getting in the middle, middle of the fields. I think there's going to be some discouragement happening. I'll agree with that 100%. Um, case in point, uh, I know a couple guys that are chopping silage in southwest Iowa, and it looks great from the road. You drive by, it looks green, beautiful. Get out in there with the chopper, it's like, whoops, we're almost too late with this. So it's getting to be that way here in places uh, here in central Nebraska, too. It looks good from the road, but once you get out walking out in there, uh, if you've got some lighter ground, it's already uh, you know, way past done. Or uh, you, you're really starting to look and call the chopper and say, hey, you guys on the way? Or, you know, we're going to be here sooner than it's going to be here sooner than we think. And I, I really think that's going to be the case. We could potentially be opening up here for an early harvest for the simple fact that we've had enough heat uh, to push this crop along. Well, and, and you, you talk about that, and, and I think... I- one of our weekend programs that you were on here just a few short weeks ago, uh, both you and Arlen were talking about choppers that some of the fields are showing up to and they're not even going to go in and chop because there's not enough grain yeah. to even be substantial. That's correct. You won't get enough tonnage hardly to pay the cutting bill in some areas. And I know that's that's that may be some of the extreme fringe acres of the Corn Belt, but still that's the case. And I think it's really going to be surprising once we get out in there, even here in the heart of the, of the plains, even the western plains here and in the Corn Belt too, once we get out in there and start to do some of those checks and, and uh, start to take off some of that silage and the wet corn and early things like that. It's, uh, it's going to be interesting once we start to get some of those early yield reports coming in. So 
So I'm curious, what because of everything that's happening, what are you hearing when it comes to basis out in the country? Well, that's a that's a very good question, Susan. Um, basis is all over. Um, Eastern Corn Belt, maybe not near as uh, maybe not near as tight on corn as we are here in the Western Corn Belt because we've got the cattle feeders that are. Uh, you know, trying to get the corn sourced, uh, and the ethanol plants that are trying to get corn sourced, and local cooperatives trying to get corn sourced. So there are some instances where, you know, you can call a merchandiser and say, hey, I've got some corn in the bin here. What can you do for me? And and they've really been willing to work with you. And even in the case of some new crop corn, if you're willing to be somewhat flexible on delivery, whether it's coming out of the field or, you know, you maybe have to harvest a little bit late, if you have that ability uh, they've been uh, re- really kind of working with some producers out here in the Western Plains here as far as new crop new crop right out of the field delivery. Maybe giving them a little bit here if you call them and talk with them and see kind of what their needs are. They're, they're willing to be flexible with you. Is there... So looking at everything else that's coming out this week, I mean, we're sitting on a Thursday. There's been so much talk this week about the WASDE report of tomorrow, but I've also heard at the same time a lot of folks saying, yeah, it's the August WASDE report. Don't don't put a lot of uh, banking of money on what you're going to see in those numbers. Well, I think there's two things that we need to be looking past. And, of course, there's going to be the, the data dump tomorrow, which the algos are going to pick up and, oh, it's bullish, it's bearish, and the USDA changed this number, and they changed the estimate on this number. Keep in mind, folks, this report, all these government reports are just estimates, just estimates. But the computers trade those Excel spreadsheets as they're dumped, and that can affect the momentum of a market. Don't get me wrong, if we're near a moving average or something like that, it can trip it and move it one way or the other. So we've had a decent rally here in both corn and soybeans. There are some you know, cheap downside protection items you can look at in the form of a cheap option, something like that, or something even close to the money that uh, expires here at the end of next week for both new crop and small crop options as well. But looking past this report, <clears throat> alleged report, we're gonna be looking more at South American weather and then we're also going to be looking at the early harvest or where we're gonna be starting harvest at here in the States. Now, case in point, we're sitting here on a Thursday. The key number here for December corn is gonna be above 620 or below 610 to maybe get some more momentum either to the upside with this corn market or maybe park this seasonal rally that we've been in here for uh, the last few weeks, maybe park this rally here for a little bit and maybe trade sideways to lower for a little bit if we get below that 610 tomorrow on a closing basis. So, And that's looking at the weekly charts. And the weekly charts are going to give us a little bit better direction here as far as which way we're going to be going here intermediate term. All right, well, stick around, folks. When we come back, we're going to take a look at the happenings of this cattle market, what's moving them, and hopefully more to the positive. It's more coming up. Fontenelle Final Bell on the Rural Radio. Building relationships to help you succeed is our goal at Fontenelle Hybrids. Here's Verniel Moritz, a Fontenelle dealer near Windside, Nebraska. When you sit with a customer and figure out what hybrids are going to work the best on their farm, and, and then in harvest time when they come through and perform very, very well, it's, it makes you feel good that you place their products in the right place. For more, contact your local Fontenelle Hybrids dealer or go to Fontenelle.com. Always read and follow grain marketing and all other stewardship practices and pesticide RBM. Bell here on the Rural Radio Network. I'm Susan Littlefield. Again, we're at the American Coalition for Ethanol's annual meeting taking place in Omaha, Nebraska, and continuing our conversation with Kyle Bumstead. Kyle is with Allendale, and want to switch gears. We spent the whole front half talking about the happening of the grain world. Let's switch over to cattle. And first of all, the correlation between these grains and the cattle prices. What's your thoughts? Well, 
I know there's the the hue and cry of you know higher corn, lower feeders, and uh, lower feeders, higher higher corn, whatever it may be, lower corn, whatever whatever they so choose to say. But there's uh, several feeder cattle contracts here in these fall months that you can put a study over the December corn contract, and you can make a case for a negative correlation. So. I think that these uh, feeder cattle and live cattle are following their own fundamentals still, even though we've seen a nice rally in both feeders and live cattle. In the case of live cattle, we've gone on out in the deferred contracts and made new contract highs out there in the far deferred months. We've seen that happen here the last couple of years where we're just getting ready to turn the sales in this cattle market. The far out deferreds make new contract highs because it's going to be really good when we get there. And then it's not really good when we get there, or it's not as good as we were promised by the market or not as good as the market said it was going to be when we got there. So do keep in mind that these live cattle are still bare spread. And in the case of like the October, December live cattle spread, that's still sitting down here near historic lows, as well as the December, February live cattle spread, that's still sitting out here near historic lows. So those spreads are still historically wide. And in order to get this market really to slingshot higher, I think you've got to get these spreads more front loaded where the front end is carrying the rear is carrying the back of the complex higher. And the way to get that done is by making moves like we've seen this week in the cash market. We need to get this cash market to pick its head up like we did here in the Southern Plains this week. Last week we traded cattle anywhere from one thirty five to one thirty eight in the Southern Plains and this 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 week we're trading cattle here anywhere from uh, one thirty nine to one forty one, some isolated incidents of uh, one forty two getting traded in the Southern Plains. And I think that's what needs to keep happening. This cash market needs to keep working higher in order to sustain the momentum that the futures have built into it. But isn't the cash, I mean, <clears throat> as you look at the big picture, isn't this the time of the year, though, where we start to see that that waning taking place in the price? Yes, it is. This is what I would somewhat call a counter-seasonal rally because we are right now uh, in the middle of a seasonal feeder cattle sell, and feeder cattle have gone straight up since that sell was signaled here a couple of weeks ago, uh, late late July, when that uh, sell signal was initiated by some of those uh, you know longer-term, well-known seasonals. We have gone... I wouldn't say parabolic, but we've gone up working against that seasonal. Now that runs for another couple of weeks, so we could still see some down in the feeder cattle market. And case in point, both uh, feeder cattle and live cattle are still getting worked into overbought territory on some of these charts, both short term, intermediate term, uh, as well. And even some of the monthly charts are starting to get up here uh, into overbought territory as well. Not really giving us major major sell signals yet, but it does feel as though we're starting to run out of a little bit of momentum here short term. In the case in point here, these October live cattle, we ran up here to this uh, 145.47 mark, gotten into the gap that we left here uh, back in April, and we haven't quite filled that gap yet. I think it'll eventually get filled, but I do look for there to be some sell pressure come back in to these live cattle once we get up there in this October contract. Now, in the case of feeder cattle, um, looking at things here yesterday, and that was on Wednesday, we saw a huge rally take place, and boy, it looked really good, and everything was awesome. But when I looked at the open interest sheet this morning, September feeders were up over were, were up like two dollars and fifty cents yesterday on Wednesday, and open interest was down fifteen hundred contracts. So short covering potentially i mean i know some of these non-commercials have been uh really short these feeder cattle so maybe they were just lifting their shorts and moving them out to the deferreds because the deferreds did gain an open interest so the the market was being bull spread yesterday which would indicate commercial buying but when i look at the open interest it looked like it was a, a huge round of short covering here in the september feeder cattle contract so i'm curious do you have any recessionary fears 
for the, for this cattle market? Yes and no. Um, right now, the market's trading it like there's going to be no recessionary fears, and and until we see them, you know, trade it the other way. I mean, in the case of the Dow and the S and P, crude oil, gasoline, things like that, um, we do need to keep our eyes on some of these outside influences because those are going to uh, drive the box beef market eventually. Now, speaking of box beef, typically we see a decline in box beef prices in the month of July, and we did not see that this year. However, we are starting to see somewhat of a decline in price here. Uh, in box beef during the month of August. So that is somewhat of a little bit of a concern. Some of our normal seasonals aren't playing out like we would normally see them do, and box beef would be a perfect example of this year. So, yes, I am somewhat about a recession, but I think it's going to take after uh, the midterms potentially to see a little bit more upside in these commodities here, and maybe the recessionary fears maybe start to enter back in here. All right, Kyle, what's the best way for folks to get a hold of you? You can call me here at 308-708-7340 or wave when you drive through Erickson. All right, sounds good. Kyle Bumstead has been joining us today with Allendale. As we always remind folks, commodity futures and options do involve a substantial risk of loss not suitable to all investors. That is today's Fontenelle Final Bell being brought to you by Fontenelle Hybrids and all your local dealers. Check this out as a podcast at ruralradionetwork.com or wherever you subscribe. It's the Fontenelle Final Bell on the Rural Radio Network.